Frank Ling. And I'm Charles Lee. And you're listening to the Grok Science Show. That's right. It's a weekly look at the world of science, technology, and their effects on our daily lives. Coming up on today's program, Dr. Larry Castro will join us to discuss affecting cybersecurity. So stay tuned for all of this. Plus the Grokatron 5000. And our world-famous question of the week. Coming right up. Here. On the Grok's Science Show. The Grox Science Show. Well, imagine you go to access your bank and see your account's been wiped out. How did this happen? What do you do to prevent this? Well, join us today, today to talk about this is Mr. Larry Castro. Mr. Castro has years of experience with technology and the growing demands of industry. Experience in multiple sectors, including technology, cloud broadcasting, cybersecurity, and digital media. He serves as an active advisor to several technology and sports entertainment companies and has served as the director and founding CEO at StealthGrid, that makes the highest encrypted cell phone on the market today. And Mr. Castro, uh, we're very pleased to have you today on the Grox Science Show. Thanks for having me. Are certainly, uh, I think, an issue that most people kind of become aware of, but they, they sort of put off in the back of their head because they really don't want to think about it is the sort of cybersecurity, especially of their portal devices. Just how vulnerable are devices to uh, these attacks? Extremely vulnerable, especially uh, uh, with what uh, the, the existing malware that goes on and where they get it exposed a lot of times is the uh, open source or the downloads of apps that they put on there that uh, then have software that uh, takes over your phone uh, and device. And I think uh, one of the things that we uh, always share when we speak is that when you look at history, the number one spy tool ever, ever invented is the phone. They can activate your camera. They can activate uh, 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 your GPS. They know where you are, what you're doing. Uh, they can listen to you. And more importantly, they can get access to uh, important information uh about uh, your banking code, uh, passwords, and that type of stuff. So uh, that's why we're driven to be able to provide uh, some secure solutions for them. And who are the main uh, sources of, of these kind of hacks? Well, you know, cyber criminals, when you look at the industry, and I, I haven't looked at the recent number, it, it is better than being an actual bank robber. There, it's, we're talking you know, a $500 billion industry. Uh, the, anywhere from the, the Chinese or... Uh, are, are working and hacking on a daily basis. I have some people at SAIC, HP, and others. That They have one department that just watches and monitors and uh, uh, prevents hacks. Uh, they, the, the Russians are obviously doing a lot of hacking. Uh, and there's even people in the U.S. and uh, any type of uh, a criminal activity because it's so easy. When you talk about, when you look at the crypto space and you look at the uh, being able to get access. They sell your social security numbers. They sell your information. They sell access. It is a, in the dark web, it is amazing what they're able to do. Uh, but we are working hard being able to prevent that. Is, is there something we can do to help prevent this? Are there some devices that are better, some that are worse for preventing these kind of attacks? Well, first of all, I would limit to, you know, one of the things where people really get in trouble is, you know, even when you look at what is that one app, Crazy Birds or whatever, and you've got all those applications, I would I would limit the applications that I download on my uh, on my device. Uh, the Apple has a very secure phone, but they still have exposure. 
Um, but the Android device, what we're doing is we're taking the libraries out. We're, we're uploading our own operating system and containerizing it and allowing our, our, our split encryption and our authentication process to take place with decentralized apps. But you've got to really, uh, you got to really, I would turn off the camera if you're not using it. It's because some of them you can. I'd turn off the microphone if you're not using it. I do not allow data when you download. I would not, when an app, I would not allow them to, to, to gather data uh, and to have access to all your files. Um, but, you know, we go along willy-nilly and just say, okay, yes, 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 yes. They think it's okay, but take a look at everything you're downloading and the questions that they're asking you. Anything that exposes any of your personal information, don't do it. You don't need to do it. it it's not necessary. I, I mean, it's so hard because uh, things, and uh, if you click no, it doesn't work sometimes. Well, if it doesn't work, don't use the app. Because what happens is, is you have a choice. One of the questions that they put on there is you can click uh, before you download an update, ask me first, or let me, or it says, uh, make me aware there's an update. So you make the decision whether or not you want to do that update. Anything else, they don't need to have your data. They don't need to have access to your information. You're right. Some of those apps, they will not allow it to work. You need to have your GPS on. I would personally, I wouldn't use it. It's not necessary. There are other apps you can use without having to do that. That's just my opinion. And from what I see out there, I see some things that are, that'll blow your mind. I mean, I, I travel the world. I know what's going on out there. Um, it is, and I always talk about it. George Orwell, 1984 is here. People are watching, monitoring. Um, you know, what I did before I started this is I was doing logo and facial recognition, object detection, putting cameras around the world with some of the big companies. And what they're doing is they basically in real time can monitor you where you are, where you've been, what you're doing, and your phone now becomes a very powerful mechanism because it's in your hand 95% of the time. It allows them to know exactly what you're doing, who you're talking to, where you're going. And I, I, I think that that's such an intrusion. It's amazing. And Facebook, they're telling you they're doing it. Uh, it's Twitter, they're telling you they're doing it. I mean, they're gathering data and finding out what your behavior is under the guise that, you know, we're going to make it more convenient for you to order things. no. They want to know everything you're doing, and they want to control and dictate what you're doing as well. They know more about you than you do, right? Absolutely. I mean, they can tell you who your friends are, what you did, where you partied at, what's going on. I won't let my kids post stuff on Facebook. I just won't do it. I mean, it's it's not necessary. And that's the beauty of blockchain technology and where we're seeing the transformation and communications and some of the stuff that's coming out because we're decentralizing, and, and now you control who, what, where, and when somebody actually watches, monitor you, or gets information on you. So that's that's the that's what gets me excited about what's happening in this space. Maybe you could talk a little bit more about that. What uh, we've all heard about this blockchain. How can it be uh, used to help protect our, our security? Well, blockchain technology essentially is a immutable uh, a chain of events that happens. Meaning, once we actually use utilize a smart contract, and once it's executed, so whatever that action is, it can't be changed and it can't be hacked. When you also add in authentication, meaning basically that individual, that's what we do right now. We do a quantum uh, secure, uh, quantum number generation and some other stuff to make sure that it's very secure that it identifies the individual like yourself or your phone so nobody can have access. But it allows us to be able to control and make sure that nobody can change whatever that transaction is. And if it's out of sequence, meaning uh, if the block that is not in sequence with the rest of the blocks, it kicks it out and it won't happen. So they cannot penetrate it. 
where most people get in trouble is in third party, right? So the third parties is where you get exposed to. The blockchain is very secure. Um, but also the, the, other, the other technology where we're doing what we call peer-to-peer, where you, you take out a centralized figure. For example, in our communications, we're developing a mesh network. So you don't use Verizon. You don't use T-Mobile. You don't use uh, AT&T. You basically communicate with one another via uh, the nodes and modes that we put in the phone and other devices. So it now becomes totally decentralized and controlled by the users, which is very, very powerful. So nobody has access to your information or, or be able to listen to your conversations. It's very, very secure. And then uh, along with the blockchain technology bolted on that, it becomes extremely secure in transactions in, in the way that we use the phone on a daily basis. So it's, it's pretty exciting. How uh, widely adopted is this technology? Because, uh, do you think it's going to become more widely adopted? We, I'm actually part of an organization that's a global organization, and we are creating a global mesh network so that you don't have to have, you don't have to be online to be able to communicate. So it's growing globally. Uh, I'm working with uh, countries around the world. I'm working with the Philippines. We have an agreement out there. I'm even working with the African Union right now. I'm working with multiple uh, countries, India, to be able to to expand and ma- get massive adoption to this mesh network. Um, and I tell you where, and where people say, well, you can't do that. Well, here's an example. First responders and the, and the uh, military, when they go somewhere where they don't have any communications, they don't have access to, to cell towers or anything else, you know what they do? It's called peer-to-peer, node-to-node. They already do it right now on the field. All we're doing is taking our technology, making it more robust with, the, with, with, the, with our devices so that we can create this massive global adoption uh, for for a mesh network and communications. So, so you've seen this on a global scale. Are there certain countries that are quicker to adopt it, uh, have a greater impetus to do this? How how does it compare globally? That's a great question. And what I'm seeing is is that there's there's two two sides to this. One, the third world countries they don't have access. They don't have access to the internet, and they don't have access to be able to have uh, strong uh, communications as far as cell towers and everything else. So they are they are driven to be able to. Uh, open up access to these people so that they could have communications and banking and everything else. At the same time, just in the United States, Canada, and, in, and we, we monitor it through a group called Meltwater, who's listening, what they're, you know, where, where we're hitting. And the United States, the, people are deeply concerned. When you talk about the Russia attacks, you talk about, um, you know, the, the DNC being attacked and all these other attacks that are going on right now, they're saying, oh, my God, I'm exposed. So there's a group of people that are extremely excited about our technology and what we're bringing to the space at a price point that uh, people can afford. But most, more importantly, it's going to be extremely secure. So, um, you know, we're seeing, like I said, African Union, they're taking a look at the continent there. So we can India is another very, very strong place for these communications um, where the, the Philippine government, they've opened up an area called CESA. We're part of that project. And in Manila, we're going to be doing a beta testing for our mesh network so we can expand across, uh, across that country. So there are several things going on right now. And in five years, I will, I will guarantee you the landscape will completely change the way we do transactions, the way we communicate, and, and it's going to be amazing. It's moving at light speed, and it might even be sooner than that. Again, the question that most people have is that uh, these blockchains are immutable, that there's, you can tell there's been an alteration. Uh, are there really no ways sort of going around and attacking these sort of systems? There is, because of the way that the, 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 way that the, the, the chain of, 
occurs. So, but essentially what happens is the block is created once a transaction is done. So the first block is done. So the next block was smart contract. What they do is they write a smart contract and, and that is how the, the block is actually run. So it could be, let's say, for example, I'm going to pay you $10 uh, for a visit I made for you, right? So that smart contract then goes into effect. Once I then submit the payment with my cryptocurrency, or it could be any currency, but with my cryptocurrency, that then that block is activated. Then it hashes the block and goes out to multiple locations. It all has to be um, basically, uh, they all have to be in sync and they all have to be, uh, um, uh, I can't think of the word right now, they have to be confirmed, each one of them, as long as they're all confirmed and they all match each other, it goes back, approves the block, that block goes into what they call the chain. So that's how the chain gets. So it's like a ledger, and it's, but it's faster. Transactions are at light speed. Uh, and, it's, and, and basically, if somebody tried to break into one of the hash blocks um, that they could not actually, they would try it, then they would try to get it confirmed and would say, oh, this, is, this has been changed. And it would come back and say, this has been changed and deny the transaction. That's how it protects you. It's very, very powerful. Uh, what, what's sort of your advice for people about the steps they can take to really sort of protect their own security right now? Well, first of all, I think emails is a big deal, right? So the, it, even, when you open up an email, the first thing I do is, for example, let's say Bank of America was to supposedly send you an email saying, uh, we need you to check your password or whatever it might be, right? Look up at the top, and if you look, you'll see that the email address is not a Bank of America address. And it might say B-A-N. America, right? So they switch the email address, but they make the page look like it's um, like it's uh, like it's Bank of America. So once you click that, now you're exposed, and you might not know for three months. Secondly, I would not download apps that I wasn't comfortable with or have not been uh, that, that that don't have the security in place and the encryption in place. And you can find out by looking at the app. Um, I would also make sure uh, that I would have a way uh, multiple. I would change my passwords you know, once a month or every two months, because that's another thing. Most people use very simple passwords. Those are three things that I would take a look at. Never, never open something that you're not familiar with. Even if it says, you know, uh, we've got a file for you to open and we need you to sign. Usually once you click that file, now you're open and, and the malicious software has been exposed to any of your devices. All right. Well, maybe to close, how long do you think uh, it's going to take before this next generation of, of security uh, comes online here? I, over the next year, you're going to see, because there's a push just by the government alone. I mean, I've got government agencies that are working on it really hard, and it's and it's now going into the consumer side, and the consumers are starting to become more aware. So I, I'd say in the next 12 months, you're going to start seeing a real shift in the way that we communicate in the encryption that we're using. So um, in, 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 like I said, in the next five years, it'll be completely different. But you need to pay attention because it's a big business for these guys, uh, these cyber um, cyber criminals, a big business understand it. There's some, some places you can go to, start reading about it, look at what's happening, be in front of the curve, not behind the curve. Uh, and it's important to your family. I mean, it's, it's important for you to protect because all it takes is one mistake. And, and it doesn't mean that you have anything to hide, but once somebody gathers information from you, they can control and they can, they can, they can, you know, take money out of your home. They can get your bank accounts. They can ruin your credit. Okay. So what does that mean? So let's say I want to get a new job. I go to get a new job. They run your credit report. And guess what? You can't get the job because you have bad credit or something happened, right? So this will really impact your life if you're not protecting yourself. And you need to protect yourself.
All right. Well, we were, we were just talking to uh, Mr. Larry Castro. He's a leading expert on cybersecurity and as the CEO of Stealth Grid. Uh, Mr. Castro, I want to thank you very much for joining us today on the Grok Science Show. Thank you for having me on. And that's all for this week's edition of the Grok Science Show. Make sure you tune in next week for more from the world of science and technology. If you'd like to contact us here, you can email us at science at groks.net. For Grok Science, I'm Frank Ling. And I'm Charles Lee. Make sure you also see us on the web at www.grox.net. Have a great afternoon and keep on grokking.